Hello and welcome to Found in Translation, a weekly-ish exploration of one fellow's translation of the Christian scriptures, one chapter or a half at a time. Uh, I'm Brandon Rhodes, and across the internet from me is the translator himself, Brandon Johnson. Hi, Brandon. Brandon. Good to see you this wonderful Friday morning. How you doing? Yeah, good to see you. Oh, pretty good. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. We are almost at the end of Ephesians. This is amazing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's been a longer ride for the length of the book than compared with when we're doing Matthew. Absolutely. It's been dense and a whole new set of words and ideas and metaphors to get to explore uh, through Ephesians. And as we come to the end, it's only getting more uncomfortable. <laughs> um <laughs> just keeps getting more was it yeah yeah was it last week it's like some sort of medieval like torture device um forcing us to reckon with like this amazing and amazingly uncomfortable snapshot in the unfolding story of the people of god uh for those of you who haven't read it yet it's got that thing about hey kids obey your parents in kind of a fierce way uh but much more probably concerning uh is the way it talks about um enslaved workers and the people who claim lordship over them um it's gonna get uncomfortable uh, <laughs> uh but to give to give everybody uh, listening and watching a bit of a um, heads up I, I think the this what we were talking about before we hit record was this is really an extension of what paul's been saying he's been building these arguments like okay everything is becoming one in christ and that's the core outworking of it that happens within a particular tradition where uh distinction and difference was part of how the tradition rolled forward in judaism and now we're doing something god is doing something fresh everybody's co-heirs um with the jewish people of the promise so that's ephesians 2 and 3 and then it gets into by by end of 4 and into 5 okay let's like list out all these different power relationships that we all live within and how does that uh over overcoming difference and becoming one work out in those places right and not just that but valuing diversity really it doesn't use that word it uses like multicoloredness. uh yeah yeah technicolor chapter three yeah um but that's valuing diversity and then chapter four talking about the basically the way we get numb to difficult emotions the suffering yes. within ourselves and for others because it's overwhelming and the self-soothing through things yeah. that end up causing harm because it helps us numb even more mm -hmm. um and that that numbness allows us to stay blind to how people are being mistreated rather than getting angry when it's appropriate to get angry um and maybe even like participating in mistreating people and then so then you get to the second half of chapter five and it's all of that in view start applying yeah. it to men and women husbands and wives how is that showing up here stop it yep do better 
Um, yeah. And then there, there were no, like we've talked about multiple times before, there were no chapter divisions. There were no verse numbers. There were, there were not even paragraph breaks. There weren't even periods. There weren't even spaces between words. Um, this has to all be seen as one sustained discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so all of that, it's not like each chapter is its own conversation. Right. This is all one conversation. And so, yeah, talking about husbands and wives goes back to the, the multicolored church. Mm-hmm. Um, going back, talking about parents and children goes back to the multicolored church and not mistreating each other. Coming back yes. to Kurioi and uh, Duloi mm-hmm. that we'll get to the, the traditionally masters and slaves. Um comes back to the multicolored church and calling people out when they're mistreating each other yeah that's um, all part of the same conversation so that's the preface we want to give everybody <laughs> but uh we're, as we get into some of the nitty-gritty of this uh first half of uh ephesians chapter six um a lot of the payload of how we're going to understand that was explained in how we've connected the dots throughout reading it as one total piece of literature, not just a discrete command coming out of the holy ether towards the end. So if you can read these difficult verses within this wider flow of argument and really story, and how then shall we live into that story, it it dulls um, some of them some some things and really accentuates others. Um, like it's like well this is actually pretty uh strong teaching to deconstruct some power relationships uh just in a very unconventional but to me way um i think it also just forces us to reckon with how we relate to the bible and ethics over time Hmm. like how do we i i think one example i've heard is our world runs on petroleum and it's killing everything. <laughs> um, yeah. And of course, God's ideal is not for us to be like polluting everything and living alienated and distant from one another and all that. A plain mm-hmm. command of never, at, like, <laughs> to never ever use petroleum is not actually the goal here. It's not like, a, it's not a purity test. How do we move forward in a world? whose engine is built around something deeply problematic and deconstructed from within without making mm-hmm. that's a much more interesting creative there's a lot more space to play around in so in yeah. a world where there is economic injustice and some of which is what we would call slavery um in his world and ours what is what does it mean to be a people who overcome those sorts of power relations who christ has overcome those power relationships and we're getting to explore that work together as God's family. Yeah, I think that's what it's getting at when it says we're in the world and not of the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're part of the system. The systems of oppression and harm cannot not be in it. It's not talking about being in this plane of existence instead of in heaven, off in some other plane of existence. It's talking about being part of the system of the status quo. And we have no choice in whether we're part of that or not. Yes. It's not possible not to be yeah. part of it. 
So what are we going to do about that? Yeah. Right. That's not the source of our values, the source of our identity, of how we're choosing to orient ourselves to move forward. That's the of the world or from the world or ek to cosmo is the like uh the sense of source or origin coming like what is the are you part of are you part of that or are you just like within it does yes. that, that make distinction make sense um and then you go coming back to Ephesians specifically that sense of calling it out instead of participating it bringing it into the light exposing it don't deviate being angry but yeah doing that in a way that's not violent that's not just aggressive for the sake of satisfying how angry i feel not dehumanizing the anger is meant to create positive change not to destroy a perceived enemy Mm -hmm. because the people that we're directing this anger at our our family our spiritual family Um, and we are to love one another yeah and no wonder i mean so bracket all of this with at the end of ephesians or middle of ephesians 3 um in, in this becoming one new people together uh god is it reveals the manifold the the technicolor wisdom of the divine to the principalities and authorities in other words all those structures and systems of security and authority that make bring order to our world for better and worse um it's exposing them as penultimate and actually participating in the hostility that lives between us that's the work of god going forward that we're gonna get angry at and overcome together and then there's the reminder in the final what we'll have is our final episode uh, for our, our struggle, our wrestling match is not against uh, flesh and blood, but against those things that Christ has already overcome, and we're implementing that overcoming together. Those are the brackets that hold this whole thing. Right. Yeah. Together. And you can be anger without being hostile. Ooh, yeah. Your, your anger is a way of overcoming the hostility, yeah. which could get really gaslighty right. really quick, but it's witty for now. Yeah. 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 Well, anything else to say before we set it set it up on the screen here? Uh, I think that's good. I think, um, yeah, like we said, this is uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable last week talking about wives and husbands and yeah, trying really hard to like make it as mutual and reciprocal as possible in how I translate it. But then there's still this word that. I softened as much as I knew how to defer, and it still doesn't feel good. But it it feels okay to me in context if we're really working really hard to keep all of it in context. But it's still just like I don't like the word there. I just don't. Yeah. Um, but like you said, we're getting into like masters and slaves, and oh, that's even more uncomfortable. Um, so, but we're here. We're here for what's there, and not what we want to be there. So that'll be an important piece of it too yeah absolutely so everybody if you haven't had a chance to read the translation uh there is a link we'll have in the uh, notes on uh, youtube and facebook as well as in the episode notes in your podcast player 
Uh, as always, we encourage you to check those out and don't don't skip over the footnotes. There are some long ones <laughs> today. Uh, and go ahead, hit pause uh, and give it a read or listen. Everybody, welcome back. Brandon, where should we begin? This first uh, four verses, could you read? Let's start with you reading it aloud. Yeah, I'll read it. So chapter six, one through four here. Children, listen to your parents with the Lord, since this is part of the vision for all things well. Value your father and your mother. That's the first direction with the promise, that it may go well for you and you will be in the land a long time. Fathers, do not be the cause of your children's anger. Instead, nurture them with child-rearing and directing their attention to the Lord. Yeah, no no huge shifts here, but I appreciate some of the subtleties you've brought to it. Yeah, it's kind of a, a lots of smaller puzzle pieces shifting smaller things, hopefully with a larger payload when they're brought yeah. together, but... Well, let's go through, uh, really, at the footnote level, the first one, A, uh, with versus in versus with regard to. What's what's going on here? And what's yeah. the payload? Prepositions are rough to translate. Um, they're weird in English, too. Uh, but they're weird in Greek, and they're weird in English. And then so bringing that weirdness together on both sides just makes it that much more complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, and specifically with Paul's writing, at least the, the books that I've done so far, the one that gives me the most trouble is the preposition "n" in Greek, often but not always translated into English as in. Um, and I think that's both lazy and wrong. <laughs> um, and I think it's... okay. I think the reason people do it despite it being wrong is because of the laziness mm-hmm. or, or a more generous way is to leave it up to the reader to interpret it like, um, without nailing it down as much. Yeah. Um, so that, that's a more general, and I do that sometimes too. Um, so looking in the, the reference texts that I have, the word in really should only be used to translate the word n if it's about physical location or duration in time. Hmm. Um, And so talking about like, listen to your parents in the Lord, what does that mean? Yeah, I feel like those of us who grew up in Christianity, there's just some sort of hazy sense of in the in the lord means like in the under the authority of or by the grace one in the lord yeah what what about like i am in the father and the father is in me it it just it doesn't mean anything Mm -hmm. and it can lend itself in those in those senses to be 
almost like the ghost in the machine notion of what it means to have Christ in you or mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit in you. It's like we have, a, a, you know, a blue aura in our hearts that, well. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes having, if, if we're understanding standing it as like a metaphor, that's an image to mm-hmm. help us understand something that isn't literally how it works, like that maybe could work. Like I love some of the more mystical contemplative like images of I am in the father and the father is in me as much yeah. like a fish yeah. is in the water and the water is in the fish. And it's like, that, that that's really beautiful. And it does mean something. It's not meaningless. Um, as long as we're taking it figuratively like that mm-hmm. and not trying to say like somehow physically that's physically true somehow. Yeah. You're saying that the, this Greek word, this Greek yeah. preposition is um, spatio-temporal um, literally. And so mm-hmm. as soon as we're deciding to go within instead of with, then we've actually shifted into a uh, metaphor language that we should right. at least recognize there have some reverence for the complexity of what's going on. Like this is our best linguistic sense of describing participating with the divine, the divine participating in our flesh, like there being some sort Mm -hmm. of, yeah, mystics would emphasize some sense of divine union through participation. Right. Here. Yeah. And so there are other ways to use N, the Greek word N, that's Mm -hmm. not location or time. Yeah. But then you don't use the English word in for that. You use usually with. Mm-hmm. Um, has to do with accompaniment or um, instrument like what do I do this action with what am I what item am I using to accomplish it I dig a hole with a shovel mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's the would be the n here so so that could be this here listen to your parents how you're doing that is with the Lord uh, maybe or there's a preposition of standard so it'd be something along the lines of listen to your parents according to the Lord's standard. Yeah. yeah. Um, or there is a preposition of reference. So listen to your parents regarding the Lord. So it's kind of like saying there's a connection here, but we're not really defining exactly what the connection is. Yeah. Um, and so in other places, I've done things like connected with listen to your parents connected with the Lord or, um, or like the vine and the branches in John, like uh, the, the branches connected with the vine, rather the branches are in the vine. Um, mm-hmm. And that makes a lot more sense uh, with that. Yeah. And so in, in your translation here, listen to your parents with the Lord is is the with like is that modifying listen or the parents oh man yeah like are is the lord listening to our parents and we're listening with Mm -hmm. no i think that's a really important question to ask and i don't think it's clear um i think if you have to default to one or the other assuming that the prepositional phrase is modifying the verb rather than the noun yeah. Um, is is a safe bet like if you're going to always go one way go that way because it's going to be true much more often 
um, but it's not the only way it can work. So truly here, this could be listen to your parents, those of whom are with the Lord. So don't listen to your oh, parents who aren't of the Lord or listen to the parents that are with the Lord that are connected with the Lord in some way who are living according to the standard of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, or it could be, which is, is the more common grammatical connection. Do your listening in connection with the Lord in some way toward your parents. Huh. But it's not, there's no way to know other than just like interpreting, deciding how I want to read it as, as the reader. Yeah, it seems like the least likely thing going on here, just given the general flow that we outlined earlier, is um, kids submit to this authoritarian regime no matter what. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, mm-hmm. he's trying to say something more interesting than that. And we could, we have every reason within, you know, having read the past rest of Ephesians to assume the culmination of all of this stuff would not be an existing power relationship, hey, stick with it. Don't be shits. <laughs> like, uh-huh. There's got to be something more than don't be a shit. Yep. Yeah. yeah, so there's something about it. And then there's like the next verse, the next two verses, there's something about it, mm-hmm. about listening to parents mm-hmm. that is connected with following the instructions in torah yeah and therefore accessing the the positive natural consequences of living a life that's aligned with torah Mm -hmm. um anytime you start talking about living in the land a long time that's that's what it's talking about is those blessings from deuteronomy 28 to 30 yeah yeah hmm oh man my brain just like sprayed out into 20 different directions there. <laughs> oh wow um okay let's move on to the next tra- uh translation thing there uh since this is part of the vision for all things being well anything you want to mm-hmm. make sure folks catch on that yeah i don't know that we've talked about it a ton in in our discussion on ephesians we talked about this word a lot in matthew yes sir um it's the dikaiosune mm-hmm. in the greek traditionally righteousness um sometimes the best way to translate it is justice or maybe justness um which is a subtle english distinction but there's a slight difference there um justice being like the state of things being just justness is like the quality of living justly Mm -hmm. um uh, yeah, but it's not it's not just it's not justice in the sense of punishing bad deeds. Right, right. It's it's the sense of this is the way of interacting as a system within the system that it's moving everything to being good and well for everybody involved. For the turning the system instead of a system of oppression, it's a system of care and and wholeness and yeah. well-being. Yeah, Peace. shalom. Yeah. What? indigenous theologian uh randy woodley calls uh, the harmony way mm-hmm. yeah absolutely um so that's that's just an important thing to keep in mind there it's not like 
if you don't do it, you're breaking the rules. You're unrighteous. Yeah. It's, it's that harmony between parents and children is part of what God is intending is harmony between all people and all creation. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Something eschatological about peaceable relationships there. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, see yeah six four we've got fathers yeah notice the difference um verse one is addressing parents verse four it's addressing fathers and they're two different words Mm -hmm. um so this isn't actually addressing mothers also like it's it's a good are are there translations that do that there uh i don't not that I'm aware of, mm-hmm. but in in my translation work, I've been really careful to even if it's a technically a masculine word, if it's clearly just addressing people. So Adelphos, for instance, as traditionally brothers, some people do brothers and sisters. It could be brothers or siblings, depending on if it's a group, a mixed group, or a, ma- a male group. Yeah. Yep. Um, there's even at least one instance of it being referred to as a group of all women, but. Um, yeah but this is specifically masculine and i and the reason i'm choosing that is because it is specifically paired with the gender neutral word here um so it's not just like a metonymous for for all parents and it's easier just to say fathers there's a separate specific word that's used in this paragraph um to refer to that Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's do not be the cause of your child's anger. Mm-hmm. Which makes me wonder. So I start asking your questions like, oh, what did Paul know about fathers specifically that they needed to be told this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, you just recently to, listening no, to Richard Rohr being interviewed by Brene Brown. and him talking about the father wound and how he sees scripture's use jesus's use of referring to god as the father Mm -hmm. as being a very intentional not a god is male not even look at your father now you know what god is like but specifically as y'all probably have sucky fathers (laughs) Here's yep. what fatherhood is really supposed to be like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and trying to ha- have it heal that father wound, as he calls it. Mm-hmm. So emphasizing, it's, it's assuring here that like Paul is like singling out the dads, like mm-hmm. dudes, do not yeah. don't be the cause you, of your you kids' men, anger. Specifically, you males. Yeah. Stop being assholes to your children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead, nurture them with child rearing and directing mm-hmm. their attention to the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, and before we even go there, like the children's anger, the cause of your children's anger, that's again, par orgasmoi. It's related back to that word mm-hmm. earlier in Ephesians, um, where it's talking about don't let the sun set on the cause of your anger, not on being angry. Uh, oh, <laughs> just click for me. Okay. Yeah. 
yeah call it's it, and then that set what becomes clear as you go into chapter the beginning of chapter five is that sense of don't let the sun go down isn't about literally make sure that no one's angry by the time you go to bed it's don't let the light that you're shining that you're exposing these things that are legitimate causes of anger don't stop exposing them until they're dealt with wow yeah and that's what it's saying here like maybe don't need to be exposed maybe just do better don't even don't be the cause of your children's anger don't mistreat them so much that that your abuse needs to be exposed yeah if you if you're reading and assuming that there there may be resonance between these two passages if the kids are listening to the reading of this letter as well in ephesus Mm -hmm. and they hear be angry don't deviate don't let the um the spotlight energy of your anger diminish Mm -hmm. uh well, and it's often in the context of power relationships, the kids right. may be like, hey, dad, you're being a dick. Yeah. Like, don't be a dick to your kids. Otherwise, you're going to get the spotlight of their anger. <laughs> right. And then if and, you go, they, that will be the Lord's anger. Exactly. It's there's a conditional sense here. It's not structured literally like grammatically conditionally, but there's a sense of kids listen to your parents. Also, fathers, don't mistreat your kids so much that it's impossible for them to listen to you Mm -hmm. because you are responsible for that as the parents. And and fathers, you are seeming particularly likely to be that that hindrance there, which fits really well. If you go up and scroll up a little bit, Brandon, there in the end of chapter five, uh, each and every one of you love your wife like yourself so that the wife can divert her husband. Paul is, is seeing a lot of uh, indications that men, whether it's husbands or fathers, are mistreating people, not treating people with love in a way that's making it really hard yeah. for them to respond lovingly on their side of things. Uh, and there is a responsibility there that the husbands and the fathers have in how difficult they're making it, how much they're needing to be exposed mm-hmm. rather than, so that in order for these relationships to actually be mutual and and reciprocal yeah wow Um, that's that slaps as they say yeah and then you get the second half of verse four there so like what's the opposite of that just just like the word nurture there um yeah that nurture them is the same word that's used for where i have nurture um in verse 25 29 talking about how people treat their own bodies. They nurture it and take care of it tenderly. So do that with your wife. Also, fathers, do that with your kids. Mm-hmm. Take yeah. care of their yeah. needs. Treat it with tenderness. Treat them with tenderness. Like, take care of them. And even the word they're child-rearing, um, it's kind of in, in the Greek, it's more, more literally like childing. Um, hmm. But we get it translated into English traditionally as discipline, which isn't wrong depending on how you're defining discipline, but yeah. way too often people define discipline as punishment. Yeah. And that's not what it means. Yeah. It's just absolutely not what it means. Um, it means here, like helping kids grow up and be nurtured and strong and having their needs met. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's an important distinction there. It's so easy to assume like, 
like kids receive the discipline of your parents or to have internal, I think I've internalized um, six verse one of children obey your parents with the mm-hmm. Lord. It doesn't say that. No, no. There's a, there's a, a little bit of an implication in that direction, sort yeah. of. Yeah, um, it can like include that. Hearing in a way that's internalizing it and responding appropriately to it, not mm-hmm. just having sounds go in. Yes. Um, but it's not uh, just follow the rules that your parents set. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we should jump into <laughs> yeah. the deeps here. So if we're intending to keep everything in context, because this is all one flow of thought from yes. chapter one to chapter six, um, that sense of you men you husbands treat your wives like christ's christ treats people and otherwise you need to be exposed Mm -hmm. because we're trying to create one unified body that doesn't have any hostility dividing it yeah uh do that with your wives dads do it with your kids that means that this next paragraph is continuing that same thought it's another example of that Um, but it's problematic and I think trying to make it not problematic is problematic in itself too okay there's a there's a push for trying to soften what it's talking about here Mm -hmm. like ESV and and others they're not the only ones um, translate doulos here as bond servants and I think it's mostly a PR move, uh, trying to make it more palatable to people that when they're evangelizing to try to get people to become Christians. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that slavery is bad, so we have to say these aren't slaves. Not like how you think of slaves, anyway. It's not the same it's as American slavery. slavery. Yeah. Uh, this is these are bond servants. So there's like a mutual arrangement of they have a debt, and there's this like way you can work off your debt, like it's slavery man like yep just because there's a promise of maybe it won't last forever doesn't make it not slavery um and also people cannot be slaves that's a situation that people can be in not like their identity and who they are so that's Mm -hmm. i've translated it here as enslaved workers for that reason Mm -hmm. Uh, that is something that being done to them not part of who they are. Um, I love that shift. Yeah, I think it's really important. Um, but, you want to read? You want to read these uh, verses and then? Sure. Yeah, and I was just going to say too, like before I do that, like kind of the the shift from bond servant to enslaved workers. Like the other side of why I think other people are doing bond servant is not just for PR reasons. It's also like a move to say we can always interpret every single sentence in scripture as true and appropriate and applicable in every situation for all time. Yep. And we can do that with the slavery stuff because it's not really slavery. And we know that slavery is bad, but this isn't the same thing. So it was okay. And therefore having husbands 
be in charge of their wives and wives supposed to be submitting to their husbands always, which again, I think is bad translation anyway, but um, we can say that that still stands, even though the slavery part doesn't, because this wasn't really slavery. Okay. Yeah. And I think it's all BS. And it was really slavery and it doesn't still stand just like the actual patriarchal uh, gender inequalities, the misogyny that was part of society in this context in Ephesus Mm -hmm. and the rest of scripture was bad and doesn't (laughs) still stand. Like as much as I was trying to make Ephesians 5 as good as I possibly could, it's still bad. <laughs> and yeah, here's how to swim in shitty waters. Not, yeah. And there's this sense of growth and trajectory toward valuing everybody and unity and bringing down divisions and hostility that leads towards full mutuality, full equality, full equity and justice for men and women and non binary folks and trans and yeah. uh, yep. people of different races and all this stuff because it's not supposed to stay exactly like it was in Ephesus when Paul was writing this stuff. That shouldn't be controversial. It shouldn't. But it is because of what people, how they come to the Bible, understanding what it's supposed to be without letting it play the role that it's just playing on its own. Yeah. They've let the sun go down on its anger. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Honestly. Uh, now i'll read it now i'll get back to okay okay Okay, good now that i've gotten that out all right make us uncomfortable do it okay enslaved workers listen with openness of your heart to those who are lords based on bodily considerations with deference and trembling like with christ uh do not do so not only while your work is being watched as people pleasers but as workers enslaved to Christ, doing what God desires from your very being, serving with goodwill as for the Lord and not for people, since you understand that each person who does what is beneficial, that person will be provided for by the Lord, whether enslaved or free. Lords, you also do these things for them, giving up the use of threats, since you understand that the divine Lord is over both them and you. And there is no discrimination with him. All right, let's pick a few of these items to talk through here. Uh, The first one that comes out to me is, uh, well, it's the first one with a footnote. Uh, To those who are lords based on bodily considerations, is that usually according to the flesh? According to the flesh, yep. Yeah. Um, So it's saying what is their lordship based on basically yeah yeah um and flesh as we've talked about before doesn't inherit always automatically mean bad in scripture yeah um but it does tend to have a different priority than christ's priority it's about Mm -hmm. satisfying felt needs in the moment and not about the virtues like patience and love and um peace and stuff between everybody um right um, one of the ways is 
like we do in English as flesh and blood, um, mm-hmm. was part of the meaning of the Greek word sarks, the sense of being of the same family. Yeah. Um, so family lineage being a common way uh, to mm-hmm. determine appropriate allegiances and loyalties. Mm-hmm. Um, Almost like it, and, it could just at a, at a yeah. generic level mean based on social identity, on external mark uh, considerations, yeah. like right. family, economics, politics, um, religious uh, ordination, mm-hmm. uh, priestly ordination, like all these things are ways of being marked out according to the external considerations. And at the time in that culture that had such a more um, uh, robust imagination for the implications of ancestry, I guess, mm-hmm. that would be, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, like a somatic term like Sarks would make sense here, but it yeah. doesn't have to be limited to that. Yeah, it could do with power and privilege. It could do with ambition and greed or you yeah. know, like all these things that are connected with um, the body uh, uh-huh. in some way, uh, which in balance are understandable. Out of balance starts causing serious problems. Mm-hmm. Well, the next one yeah. is kind of a pair with deference and trembling. So uh, mm-hmm. listen with openness of your hearts to them with deference instead of fear fear and trembling that's usually yeah right uh which it's the same word phobos um like phobia mm-hmm. that's used in chapter five as uh respect or reverence um oh yeah, yeah. or i have it as defer or deference mm-hmm. um that's the same word um but there is this pairing where it gets paired with trembling several mm-hmm. times through scripture, yeah. um, which is interesting. And I'm not entirely like, I don't know, that automatically doesn't tell me exactly anything super significant, but it's interesting. I think it's a, a trail of crumbs like r- worth following. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, There's definitely some side quests yeah. in all of this work that I'd love to keep going. To. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there, there's, there, more could, say, but... there's a lot of emotions and there's a lot to say there in that connection, but it's it's worth just noticing at this point. Excellent, good side quest. Uh, see, the last the last two that are I, I'd love to talk about is goodwill versus enthusiasm, and then discrimination mm-hmm. versus favoritism. Let's start with goodwill. Yeah, and it's really what it. That's in verse means. Seven. It's it's a very um very literal like it's a compound word and it's really what that word means but it's it's a hard word to have a lot of context for because it only appears two times in the bible um here and in matthew 5 oh um so it's not a common word which makes it a little trouble troubling to figure out what it means um but it does seem to mean goodwill enthusiasm which is a more traditional for this spot feels really weird like i'm supposed to be excited about being enslaved right is that really what the bible is commanding me to do right now yeah um don't think so going out on a limb there yeah yeah it's it's more like even when i am being wronged you know pray for those who persecute you right Mm -hmm. love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you it's kind of like 
an extension of that here, I think. Like this is something bad is being done to me and I'm going to respond based on who I am mm-hmm. with my connection with Christ and not based on who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm going to respond with love and goodwill because that's who I am and nothing that they do to me can, can change who I am. Yes. Um, that, and that takes away their power over me. Yeah. Like I will extend mercy, not just be a, a chipper mm-hmm. slave. Yeah. Enslaved person. Yeah. Hmm. All right. And then discrimination. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, where is that bird? That's the very end there. Very of, end of there. First nine. Since you understand that the divine Lord is over both them, them and you, and there's no discrimination mm-hmm. with him. That is the Lord. Yeah. Traditionally favoritism. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm like, are you really telling me that God's just as happy with someone enslaving other people as they are with the people being enslaved? I'm like, mm, it doesn't fit. It just doesn't fit yeah. the rest of scripture. It doesn't fit the rest of scripture. Uh, think back to Israel and Pharaoh. Like there was definitely a difference of opinion there about what's going on. Yeah. Like um, there's a preferential option for the oppressed. Yeah. That the divine has. And yeah, so it says there's no favoritism with him. Like, yeah, like at a basic human worth level, mm-hmm. that's that would be fine. But that's not what it's talking about here. It's talking about are you sla- an enslaver or an enslaved person? Yes. Um, and it's a this is a warning to the enslavers. Uh, if you're going to stay an enslaver, at least you better treat them well. Like, don't be threatening them. Don't be using violence. Mm-hmm. Because, man, God is your Lord. In fact, God is their Lord, too. And uh, you're not going to be given preferential treatment just because you have a higher status than they do. Yep. Yep. And if you read this in sequence with, like, the stern, like, raised eyebrow towards fathers and husbands it's like Mm -hmm. all three of them there's like this like the being exposed exposing the people with power who mistreat others Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it still would be would would have made me feel a little more comfortable in uh verse five if it if things were a bit more like yeah not what they are (laughs) but yeah if it was still have a power to it if it was protect yourself by not by not stirring up too much trouble until you can be sure of victory. <laughs> like, yeah, like, something that would have like been much more comfortable. Uh, like, yeah, slavery is bad and treat people with love until you can find a way to get out of it. Yeah, and, d- and then yeah. lords stop being lords over them. Yeah. Set them yeah, free. The abolitionists yeah. starting yeah. With yourself. Yeah. Right. That would have made me feel much more comfortable, but that's not what it says. And like I said earlier, I think that's an important thing to to acknowledge because it's it's the same is true of the relation, the power dynamics between men and women. Earlier, it's not okay, right. and just because that's the situation that Paul is dealing with doesn't mean it's supposed to continue to be the situation. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I think we got to end there. We've got one chapter left in us for Ephesians. uh, And then we're going to move on to another (laughs) book. Uh, Thank you, everybody, 
for uh, tuning in and listening. Today, we are always very grateful for you wrestling with Scripture with us together. The easiest way to support Found in Translation is to leave us a rating or review in whatever podcast player you're using, or give us a thumbs up or a share or comment if you're watching this on YouTube or Facebook. Uh, second best way, uh, and the reason why is that it helps other people find this. So please help other people discover the work and conversations we're having here. Next best way you can support the show is to become a sponsor for just $5 a month. There's a link down there or over there in the app to do that. You get comment access on the translations, Google documents and the satisfaction that you're supporting exceptionally nerdy independent media. You can find the link to join the community in the show notes. The music you're listening to is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Found in Translation was produced by Perry FM on unceded Chinook land. Goodbye, Brandon. Bye, Brandon. Bye, everybody. <laughs>